tell me again what one of these scenarios costs you. And it was a couple of bucks or something. I said, how many times a month is this scenario happening? I don't know, 20 times a month. I said, so, so you're telling me you've got this big problem. People are upset. And this is only costing you 50 bucks a month. And he just looks at me. <laughs> the look on his face was, was utter shock of, oh, I hadn't thought about that. <laughs> right? But I mean, it wasn't bad. Like, that's just what a coach is supposed to do. Welcome to the Consultant and the Coach podcast. I'm here with my good friend, Josh, who was making fun of me that I need my readers on. I did not. You put them on without, I didn't say a word. I couldn't see a thing, well, but that, hey. that was, I didn't make fun of that. I just observed. You know what, though? Today, today <laughs> is the day where we, you know, it's one of those things. Last week's podcast was all about coaching others. I see that about coaching ourselves, but it's a two-part series because if we learn how to coach ourselves or have someone else coach ourselves, mm-hmm. we in turn, we're meant to coach and lead others. Right, right. And so what we're going to learn today is, hey, how do we coach others well? Because, mm-hmm. you know, the people who listen to this podcast, they're leaders. You can only be a leader. You can only be a great entrepreneur if you can replicate, if you can multiply. So how, what does it look like to coach others? Right. And we're talking, I think, just to differentiate a little bit, we're not talking about the kind of executive coaching per se that you do with your clients, but then how you're training them to coach and lead the people they are Absolutely. Leading, correct? Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. So, for example, in my company, I have between 70 and 75 employees. Mm-hmm. Well, you, you know, it's one of those things. How does that translate down to the entire organization mm-hmm. where you have one employee or you have 75 or more? Right. So I was thinking the scripture verse for the day. I was thinking of Hebrews 5 verses 7 through 9. And this is, you know, it's talking about Jesus. And the great thing about Hebrews is it's talking about why Jesus is so special. So the, the scripture verse is in the days of his flesh, Jesus offered up prayers and supplication with loud cries and tears to him who was able to save him from death. And he was heard because of his reverence. Now, this is Jesus's reverence. Although he was a son, he learned obedience through what he suffered. And being made perfect, he became the source of eternal salvation to all who obey him. And I was thinking of Jesus, and I'm like, man, we need a we need a good uh, scripture of what, why, how we go about coaching others. But what I was thinking, Jesus, what makes him so special is he lived it for us. We don't have to say, oh, what does that look like? No, Jesus, he, uh, he, um, you're giving me that look. No, keep going. Yeah. I'm listening. Yeah. I'm thinking. <laughs> but w- what I'm saying I'm is thinking. Jesus was the perfect person. Right. And, but not only did he just say, hey, this is how it is. No, he literally walked the walk. He talked the talk. And what they're saying in Hebrews is he suffered as well, too, which encourages us. Mm-hmm. And we're, here, here's my leap. For someone to be a great coach, if we are to leave it, lead an organization, we first have to do the work. Ah, Jesus that's did. where you're going. That's okay. where I'm going. I was trying to figure out where you were going. Jesus I was, my theological did, bells were going off. I was getting concerned. Okay. Jesus going. did the work first. <laughs> right. A good leader needs to do the work first. So last week was, hey, how do we coach? How do we get coached? Yeah. Today, how do we coach others? So that's the leap. Yeah. Well, and I think a good analogy might be, you know, anybody who's uh, usually a great coach from an athletics perspective, as another example, has mm-hmm. been there and done that. Not not all the time. 
Not all the time, but, but right, frequently. But usually you want to have a coach who, you know, if you want to run a four-minute mile, you have a coach who's run a four-minute mile because they've suffered through mm-hmm. that effort. right? And frequently yeah. some of the best coaches are the athletes who suffered the most. Yeah, exactly, because they and have be- the most lessons to provide, right? Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, so that's – I say that to encourage others. Let's first do the work. Let's do the work ourselves. Let's yep. figure things out so then we, in turn, can coach others in our organization. Yeah. No, and I think and that kind of ties back, again, to what we talked about for those who either remember or haven't heard it yet last week's around coaching yourself and mm-hmm. how you go about um, – Getting the best out of yourself so that then you are prepared to pull that the best out of those in your team. Absolutely. Excellent. So l- let's start with a pain point. Uh, you know, I, I coach a lot of other people. And, you know, as you're coaching, I mean, as you're consulting, you do a, a lot of coaching in the process oh, of sure. working with other people. What's a pain point that you've run into frequently when trying to coach others or trying to help organizations? Yeah, no, and that takes me back. And some of you might have not heard all of our podcasts. So, so that kind of the genesis of our work here has been that Eric and I run together. And, and I think when we first started talking about this before even recording was is, as a coach, you happen to do a little consulting. As a consultant, I happen to do a little bit of coaching. Um, and so I think that's part of what you're asking is is naturally just there's two sides of that coin. I think when the biggest thing is I find as a strategy consultant, especially you know business development and growth, is um, – there's always a big delta between uh, what an entrepreneur wants to achieve and then what what they can sort of convince their teams to actually go do, mm-hmm. right? So there's this, there's always that gap between ideas and execution. And, and there's varying degrees of that, and there's various levels to that. It's not as, as black and white as that because it depends on the size of the organization. It depends on the complexity of the organization. There's, but there's usually a gap between um, the strategy or the idea and in the actual execution and of course there's multiple layers to that but um that's typically the space in which then i'm cons- coaching but also coach consulting but also coaching leaders on how do they put their teams in positions to succeed mm-hmm. right. yeah uh, and deliver on what they want to achieve and so as we as we run into you know there's always a degree of problems that we're trying to coach on and uh, move towards our first talking point last week, you know, to be coachable, number one is honesty and candor. Uh, We need that, our coach that's coaching us. But likewise, as we coach others, the number one point is to be candid with them. Mm -hmm. And the reason why is I think of the people that I have so respected who have coached me and taught me. It's because they were candid with me. Mm-hmm. They were willing to tell me the brutal truth mm-hmm. in a nice candid in a nice way, not yep. not not as a jerk. Yeah. And so, you know, wh- why is it that honesty and candor is so important as we coach others? Yeah, I, that's a big question. Um, I think the opposite is even an easier way to tackle that question is it's almost like it's easier to know what you're talking about when you think about the opposite of that because I think a lot of companies and a lot of cultures do not value honesty and candor. Mm-hmm. And so think about how damaging it is when you have that environment, right? That, oh, almost, that almost makes the case for why honesty and candor matter. I mean, it's important, but it's easier to define it in my, in my, in my sense. Maybe that's just my experiences, but by thinking about the opposite, right? Because most these environments I've been in tend to have at least some element of the opposite where there's not a value in honesty and candor or and or 
an ability to be honesty or honest with each other mm-hmm. um, or the words or the safety um, and nobody likes working in those environments no they they're, don't. they're painful you don't you don't know where you stand you don't know how to get better um, you don't know what your job is um, and in, so in when there's not that it's you know it, it might be safer in the short term and what I mean by that is they're they're not going to bring out hard truths mm-hmm. in the in the short term but mm-hmm. the problem is there are underlying issues that never get treated. Mm-hmm. It's like, well, maybe I won't have cancer if I never look for it. Right. It's always going to keep growing. Cancer, mm-hmm. yeah, I don't want to say never disappears, but yeah. infrequently just disappears. Yeah. Well, and, and, and it's interesting twin, I think, to this is also um, what I would say misaligned incentive structures. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Right? Because... Financial and otherwise, because um, when you have well-aligned incentives, then honesty follows. Because we have a reason to be. Mm-hmm. We're on the same team. When you don't have aligned incentives, it's much, much harder to have an honest culture. Mm-hmm. Um, in my experience. Because I've seen, because that's where CEOs basically get... Um, begin to surround themselves with people who are protecting them because the people protecting them don't want to screw up the gravy train they have. Mm-hmm. And so they don't want to tell the CEO the truth. No. Because it, screw- it would mess up their particular incentives, right? If it's not aligned properly. Yeah. And so. it, it might keep the gravy train short-term. Yeah. Long-term, it will blow up because it's, hey, yeah. you're driving towards a cliff. Don't tell me, it, don't tell me I'm driving towards yeah, a cliff. Yeah. You're going to go off the cliff. But if no one either is going to be there and or has any reason financially to steer that train mm-hmm. away from that cliff, um, they won't ever be honest about it. No, they won't. Yeah. So and so, you know, the number one, the number one, as we're getting coached, but also as we coach others, mm-hmm. we've got to be honest and candid, mm-hmm. candid with them when we coach them. Uh, what we do, you know, we reflect. Mm-hmm. And now that's hard because... When we're candid with someone, it it can kind of mess things up mm-hmm. because you're you're kind of rocking the boat. So how much do you do it, and what does that look like? And it's really hard. It's like, hey, uh, Josh, I want you to coach me, but I'm not going to be honest with you. Well, how can you coach me if I'm not going to be honest with you? It's a it's yeah. a two way street. Yeah. It's got to go on the base level is trust. Right now, second. The second point, as I coach others, and I think for those of our listeners, as we coach others, one of the best things to do, number two, is reflection on the individual we're coaching. Mm-hmm. So we can't mm-hmm. just go in and say, hey, here are my three points. Yeah. Every individual is different. And yeah. I believe in, I for those that I coach over, I also pray over. Mm-hmm. I also, you know, what, what does it look like? What might be issues? And this is something you're really, really good at because you'll be working on a project and you don't just all of a sudden come up with an answer. What, you know, how long does it yeah. come up? Or how long does it take sometimes? And why? Oh, it can take a long time. It depends on the complexity of the problem uh, and the people involved. I mean, it, it, it can sometimes take, you know, far longer than it should. Or at least you have, mm-hmm. one, you have one example. Actually, that's not true. You should have an answer hypotheses pretty quick. And then I start testing them mm-hmm. pretty quickly and start going, what about this? What about this? What about this? Either asking the person or, or in, my, in my own mind trying to probe on 
particular things. And then you get to it. You know, and then you, you get to you it. reflect on it. Eventually. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Whether it's reflection on a problem or reflection as we're coaching others. Why do they do what they do? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, and that's where, the, you know, to your point about individuals, it matters because, you know, we, we've talked a lot on this podcast about, you know, development and what sort of influences where we are as a leader, kind of who we are today sort of reflects where we've been. And I've worked with, uh, I remember talking about consulting. I was consulting with a executive director of a nonprofit who was the founder and was having the founder syndrome of having trouble getting out of his particular role because um, he didn't need to be in it anymore, but then he couldn't see his way out of it. Um, but as I got to understand who he was in his own background, in many cases, dysfunction of how he ended up where he was, mm-hmm. um, successful in one regard, complete mess in the other regard, like we all are, um, you know, it started reflecting back to him who he was and, and, and my sort of observations on what he was challenged with. Um, <laughs> he he was uh, he was surprised, I think, at the depth of insight it was able to produce for him in terms of like just giving him a mirror, basically, right? Even as a consultant, I was basically mirroring back to him who he was and, and what I was seeing. Um, and uh, he was he was somewhat, I think, appreciative and surprised at the um, the way in which I was able to basically be a therapist back to him, you know, unintentionally. I was and, just trying to help and, the organization. You know, and a good therapist or a good coach, what they what they really do is they reflect. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. I, and the more I look at myself in the mirror, is my hair the way it should be, or did I, you know, clean up properly? That's the role of a good mirror. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And you know, as we are coaching others, we need to reflect on them. Yeah. You know, and we need to. Okay, I was I was coaching someone, and I've I've you know the, this this client's been coming back to me with a number of problems and. Frequently, I have found the main problem is not typically the main problem. It's oh, no. typically a sub-problem yep. or tertiary problem. And it's well, this has been going on for a couple of months now, and I was really reflecting, reflecting, reflecting. Mm-hmm. And I finally, by reflecting, finally figured it out. Of course, it was a tertiary issue of something else. Uh, and frequently, it was a communication problem. Mm-hmm. The way this client was communicating and Mm -hmm. now we can work on this issue because what we thought was the issue really wasn't the issue i mean it was the issue right but it wasn't the main issue because there was a communication problem that kept rearing its head right we're like okay we can work on this now but i was only able to get there as a coach because i kept reflecting kept praying over this individual like there's got to be a reason why these problems keep coming up right so, uh, you know, second reflection. Third, a good coaching process is coactive. And mm-hmm. let me define coactive. Mm-hmm. 50-50. Mm-hmm. Uh, coach has got to put their effort in. Likewise, the employee or team member has to put the effort in as well, too. Yeah. So what do you think when I say that, you know, when something's 50-50? Well, this is a funny example, actually. I was thinking about this. Um, I won't get into the specifics to betray the individual, but... Um, you, you'll, you'll appreciate this example in our life team. One time somebody brought, uh, an example and they were talking about, um, and, and that sort of, I say 50, 50, cause it, coaching happens there too. As we talked about life teams, go back and check that one out if you haven't heard it yet. Um, where individuals are investing in each other and sort of reflecting back what each other needs. And, um, as you might remember what this individual was bringing up this issue where, um, they were trying, they were sort of trying to align the economic incentives and the way they did their payments and sort of hemming and hawing over sort of what had become a bit of a um, 
difficult issue to tackle, yeah, right? Because people didn't like the change. It wasn't about the money as much as the, ref, the how it reflected his opinion of their value as the CEO versus mm-hmm. the staff. And I was listening, 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 and a little bit I could pick together. And this is like, what, 10 minutes? And I, I said back to him, like, asked him a couple of questions. And, and I finally said, so, and again, 50-50. He had to put all the work in of like actually articulating himself, mm-hmm. which is all the work. And then basically, effectively, in this scenario where, where we were supporting each other, but effectively coaching, um, you know, I said, tell me again what one of these scenarios costs you. And it was a couple of bucks or something. I said, how many times a month is this scenario happening? I don't know, 20 times a month. I said, so so you're telling me you've got this big problem. People mm-hmm. are upset. And this is only costing you 50 bucks a month. And he just looks at me. <laughs> the look on his face was, was utter shock of, oh, I hadn't thought about that. <laughs> right? Oh, but, but, but it wasn't bad. Like, that's just mm-hmm. what a coach is supposed to do, right? Is to help you see through the mess. But what happened was... This person was putting in all the work. Yep. And what well, not all the work. They were putting in a good portion of right, the work. Right, right, right. You were actively invo- right. involved. Listen, you were actively listen, thinking as had well. Had a history too. of like obviously spending time together yep. over, you know, a couple and, of years. Yep. And, and you put the work in as yep, well yep, yep. too. And you came up with a solution because you both worked at it. Right, right, right. Imagine if this person did all the work and you were just listening and not actively, then right. you wouldn't have had that insight. Right, right. I've also seen other people, the coach does all the work and the other person's like, okay, um, Hold the fishing pole for me. I'm not going to fish, but I want you to catch yeah, a yeah, fish. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Tell me when, the, when the fish comes in. Yep. Exactly, and it's it it's a coactive, you know, process. Right. Now, so you know, third is it's coactive. Fourth is as we coach others, and this is hard for those of us that are really really gifted in certain areas. It is impossible to hit on everything, and I've seen some coaches, they're just too tough on others is what I mean is like mm, you'll mm-hmm. see someone and there's literally like 10 things to work on mm, I'll mm-hmm, pick on mm-hmm. a nice safe safe thing uh, when I'm coaching cross country as I work with a seven or eight year old they're seven or eight they are a long ways away from being an elite runner I'm not gonna say well Johnny you have everything that you need to work on right. I'm gonna pick one thing right and when we worked with less experienced people Pick one thing and yeah. just dial down on that one thing. Yeah. Once we get that, then go on to the second one. So as we worked, it's we cannot hit on everything. Right. And some people are like, you're being too hard on someone. Yeah. You truly are. We cannot hit on everything. Can you talk about how you've gone about choose what's the how you pick the one thing? How do you pick the one thing? I mean, if you got ten. Um yes. Typically I will go, what will move the needle? the fastest in the, in the shortest amount of time. For so whatever goals you For whatever out. goal. So right. in a, from a brain perspective, I'm looking for a quick dopamine hit. Because when people hit a quick goal, it it, it, it it helps for the next goal. I'm not going to go, hey, I have this huge project, and if we do all this, you'll be rewarded in two years, and that's your first goal. No, we're going to go for something really short, quick, and easy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's what we're going to shoot for. So maybe not the biggest impact to the organization, but the shortest, quickest win. Because mm-hmm. right. we're looking for a quick dopamine hit, and yeah. then we're going to slowly move up. Or even as we have larger milestone or larger rocks that we're working on, we're looking at shorter, quicker milestones as we get in that general direction. Because mm-hmm. I've seen a lot of people, they'll get really excited over something, 
and but they can't maintain that intensity day after day after day over the right. course of three years can't be done mm -hmm. um, so but just be aware we cannot hit everything at one time right. and I, I think people understand it but it's good to be reminded what's the one thing we're going for now yeah yeah no and, and consulting very similar right as an organization what do we have to go achieve in the next three months six months you know 12 months to survive and advance the, the goals so very similar so as we talk short term, you know, hey, you can't hit on everything. Go for a quick dopamine hit. But the last thing as we coach others, and this is kind of the end goal that we're looking for, is as I coach others and as we coach others, the end goal is a general awareness um, in a coaching relationship. So, for example, as I go into a coaching relationship, my goal is not to coach this person the rest of their life. That would be, a you know. That's not the goal. Right. The goal is we want them to eventually be aware where they can self-check. You know what? I remember I learned about this issue and I've read that person's body language and they're not tracking with me. Yeah. Therefore, I'm going to read their body language. Hey, what did I just say? Or hey, it, it looks, it looks, uh, you look the other way. Is something else on your mind? How do we teach others mm. to get the self-awareness in their leadership? Um, on projects that they're working on, what does that look like? So, um, you know, in other words, what systems are we creating to help our clients, team members develop? And you're great at creating systems. What does that look like? You know, to get get them to the point where you're setting them to go do it themselves. Yeah, I mean, well, in, in terms of consulting work, you know, that's usually tied to feedback loops and metrics, right? Is it, how do you begin to build some level of awareness um, that that are sort of in process or um, leading indicators, right, of, of achieving the goals and or performance levels um, <clears throat> and, you know, in product development language, I think it's just building building product feature um, kind of guardrails that allow for teams to deliver faster, right, mm -hmm. with the right level of insight on how they're doing and there's operational ways to look at that. And, but, um, yeah, no, I think that's it's, it's important, right, is to help people see and either if it's immediate feedback, like you were talking about, like facial expressions and learning to read body mm -hmm. language in particular uh, situations, or if it's looking at across a, a executive leadership team or looking across operational, it's, there's plenty of ways. But I think it's really about trying to set up those um, feedback loops that allow you to be aware of current scenarios, whether whether it's business or interpersonal or leadership, mm -hmm. you know, whatever those things are. And the general awareness, I would also say the next step is as we become more and more aware and we yep. want our clients to become more aware is I'd love to see them become aware of their own mistakes. Mm -hmm. And mistakes are totally okay. Yeah. Because mistakes, hey, that's a calibration shot. They, and, you know, I, I've, I, I've uh, seen some, I can never make a mistake. That's got to be miserable. Yeah. Everyone makes mistakes. So then you're hiding everything. We go back to the whole honesty thing. Yeah, and then you're at the top <laughs> and, of the funnel again. And now we start all over again from point one down to point five. Mm -hmm. So, you know, once we get that general awareness, hey, I'm okay making mistakes. Hey, did I read you right? No, actually, I was thinking this. Oh, okay. So in other words, you were just hungry for pushing off lunch two hours, and it had nothing to do with your feelings towards. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's good to know. Yeah. I, I, I misread that. And a good relationship, the coach and client and vice versa, the, the manager and the employee, they've got to have that good awareness of just working together. And then you have a heck of a team. You see this with like a quarterback and a wide receiver that right. just seamlessly get each other. 
Right. Yeah. No. I think, well, and I think to to encourage folks too, this isn't a linear process. No. I suspect. Right. As you're moving through these, people will have other dynamic impacts, life, uh, both work and, and personal related, that will sort of set them back. Right. In this process, mm-hmm. individually and or as a leader, you'll always have turnover in your group of what you get. You start to get this person right, and then another person has something else happen, and or you bring someone new on. So there's always a give and take, I think, here to, to encourage folks. We've tried to lay it out simply, uh, but it is it is a messy process to coach others. So don't don't hold yourself, um, don't don't be too hard on yourself. It's tough because it's uh, it's certainly a, a work in progress, as we all are. Absolutely. And you know the cool thing is we're made for relationships. That's right. We're made to have these. You know sometimes oh it's so hard. Yeah, we're we're made for this. Yep. And yep. if anything, it encourages me. It's probably not going to be automated. You can only do so much. There's the relationships many... will not be. All the steps in between might be. We can figure out how to do that. But mm-hmm. so hey, as we coach others, you know, honesty, candor, reflection, process is coactive. It's impossible to hit on everything, and let's work generally towards awareness. Um, as we coach others. So, hey, um, next podcast, when is it time to change jobs? Yeah, when is good it topic. Time? I hear that a lot from mm-hmm. people I, I work a lot with. Of, a lot of people who will contact me, hey, I'm, I'm considering switching jobs. Oh, yeah. And um, they will utilize me because I'm safe. I'm, you know, hey, I want to go through all the scenarios. Is it time to switch from the safe job to the riskier job that has mm-hmm. a much higher top end? Or I, I'm willing to step out. Or right. what does that look like? Yep. Um, hey, this is the time to look. Yeah. <laughs> there is plenty of opportunity out there for mm-hmm. those who are willing to look for it. That's for sure. Indeed. So, hey, until then, uh, when is it time to change jobs? Uh, but, hey, next uh, between now and then, go to theconsultantacoach.com, reach out to us, and we're always here and absolutely love talking with you guys. Sounds good. Okay. Thank Take you. Take care, everybody.